Hey, LifeBridge, last week we had a conversation, actually Pastor John recorded a conversation with Sharon uh, Howdy Miller, who's a uh, pastor and author, the book Free of Me, and it was a great conversation about how sometimes a big part of growing and our personal growth in ourselves is looking beyond ourselves and not focusing so much on ourselves, and it's just a great, great conversation. I found it super helpful, and there were just some great moments. wanted to put it on the podcast as well to share it with you guys. Give it a listen. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, LifeBridge. I'm here for our first keynote interview um, with Sharon Hottie Miller. Uh, Sharon is a pastor at uh, Bright City Church in Durham, North Carolina, and uh, where she planted a church with her husband, Ike. And uh, she wrote a book called Free of Me. And that's how I got uh how I heard about her and how I, th- why I think she'd be a wonderful person to interview for our, the end of our campaign and our conference on, on um, spiritual formation, talking about the fully formed life. So um, yeah, we're really excited to, to have you here with us, Sharon. So thank you for joining us. Hi, it's so fun to be with you. <laughs> so um, Sharon and I have a couple of connections. One was we both attended Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. And the second one is a little less, uh, uh, more cool, I think, but less of a connection. My little league baseball team um, this year was the Durham Bulls. And your church is in Durham, correct? Yeah. Well, that's our baseball. Our baseball team is their Durham Bulls. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know. Didn't know they existed until uh, now I'm like wearing their hat all over the place. And there's like a there's a Kevin Costner movie from yeah bull durham that's like based it was filmed here so yeah. somebody told me that no, i have no idea <laughs> little known facts that most people don't care about but <laughs> <laughs> well i hope it doesn't reflect on the actual team but we stunk this year oh really so, yeah it was a rough year <laughs> yeah i don't really follow our baseball team is like i don't know what division or whatever i don't i don't know anything about baseball but um, <laughs> they're like fun to go watch so oh for sure Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So Sharon, I'm just going to ask you some questions about your book and, and uh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, tell us kind of the story behind the book. I, I don't know how to ask this in a way that's not offensive, but like, <laughs> tell us the, the story of how you came to realize that you were just focusing too much on, on yourself or on yeah. me. No, that's exactly why I wrote the book. Um, yeah. So I, I'd been in ministry for, I don't know, at the time, like probably at least 10 years And, you know, like most people who go into ministry, I went into ministry because I felt called and I was, I was passionate about, you know, teaching scripture and, you know, sharing the love of Christ. And that work was inherently satisfying for me, like just doing that work, you know, going to seminary, teaching the Bible, writing, speaking, all of that. Like, I really just enjoyed doing that because of the calling itself in serving God. But a number of years ago, I noticed that something in me had shifted. And the best way that I could describe it is that all along, I'd been running this you know, race of faith and I'd been f- focused on Jesus. But at some point, I started looking to the side of me and looking at the runners who were running next to me and comparing myself to them. And then I started looking to the runners who were maybe like a few paces ahead of me and needing their acknowledgement and affirmation. 
And if I compared badly or if I wasn't getting acknowledged or affirmed, I was shattered. Like I was devastated by it. And I became, because of this, really, really insecure. And so it wasn't enough anymore. Like I, at the time, was a really active blogger. And it wasn't enough anymore just to post something that I really believed in. I needed people to pay attention to it and to applaud me for it. And if I didn't, you know, get the notice that I thought it deserved, I was really devastated. And this, this actually happened while we were living in the Chicago area. I, I have like a very clear memory of sitting in bed with my husband and I'm just like crying and he's holding me and I'm saying, I don't know why I feel this way. Like, I don't know why I've become so insecure, especially of all things, you know, ministry is not you know, for anything else, but just to please Jesus. And so why, why is that not enough? And so I, as soon as I identified this insecurity in me, I am very proactive, you know, we're, my husband and I both got our PhDs at TEDS. And so we're, we're like researchers. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to read books and I'm going to read blogs and I'm going to read articles and I'm going to start reading the Bible specifically for what does it say about me? And, you know, what is, what is true of me and, and how God loves me and how he delights in me and how he created me, you know, with a purpose and, and all these things and just like speak all of this over myself. And so I did that for, I don't know, months, months and months and months. And then at the end of that journey, I realized that it had not worked, that it had not like touched whatever was broken inside of me. And I imagine, you know, anyone who's watching this right now understands that same experience, even though I'm not sure we're always honest about it, is that we're, we're following all these accounts on Instagram, you know, that are telling us how, you know, special we are and that, you know, God loves us and all this and, and we'll read it, but it's not actually helping, you know? And so that, that was me. And so when that happened, when I had that realization, I decided to back up and reapproach this problem, but ask a very different question. And so instead of, instead of approaching scripture specifically and asking like, what does scripture say about me? Like what is true about me? I instead opened scripture and asked when people in the Bible go to God with their insecurities, you know, people are insecure who feel inadequate in scripture. When they took that insecurity to God, what did God say to them? And asking that different question was, it changed everything for me. Because what I saw when, when I looked at people like Moses, Moses is a really great example where God calls him to something and he feels you know, not up for the task. God calls him to go to Pharaoh and to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses thinks this is just a terrible idea because he probably has like a speech impediment. He says, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And God could have responded by saying, you know, that's not true. Like, you know, you were raised, you grew up in a palace, like you were groomed to be a leader, you know, you know, like of all the people in Israel, you're actually best trained and positioned, you know, for this. That's, that's probably what I would have said to Moses, like if he was my friend. But instead, God says, who gave human beings their mouths, you know? <laughs> 
who teaches them to speak? Is it not I, the Lord, you know, now go and do, you know, what I tell you to do and I will teach you what to say. And so he, he, Jen Wilkin, this author, Jen Wilkin, if anyone's familiar with her, she describes this as God changing the subject off of Moses's inability and onto God's ability. And that was, that just opened up this whole new reality for me where I realized that there's two causes of insecurity. We only ever talk about one. And the one that we always talk about is low self-esteem, which is a real problem. Like it, I would define low self-esteem as not seeing yourself truthfully, not seeing yourself the way God, you know, describes you in scripture, the way he sees you. And the answer to that is the truth of God's word. But there's a second cause of insecurity that we almost never talk about, and that is self-preoccupation. And self-preoccupation, which you see in the story of Moses, it's, it's paralyzing because you think this story is about you. And because of that, you know, it's a referendum on you, you know, how you do, how you perform, you know, what people think of you, it's all a referendum on you, which is so, there's so much pressure in that. And that's what, that was my issue. It's not that I had low self-esteem. Like I think my self-esteem was actually fine. It's that I had made my work about me. I turned it into this referendum on me. And every time, you know, the feedback that came back wasn't positive, it just destroyed me. And so I realized what needed to be corrected was not my self-esteem, but my focus. And that became the, you know, seed of the idea for that book. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And you kind of mentioned how like the Instagram, the social media culture that we live in now, um, we tend to focus only on that one aspect of it, of low self-esteem. Um, and what is, what is that uh, whole, like, in, even beyond just Instagram, just social media stuff, where there's a whole industry of like self-care, self-help, self-improvement, and all of, all of that genre, we'll say, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, is, what is that focus kind of doing to us as a society? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that focus is not wrong in and of itself. And I I really can't emphasize that enough because I'm sure there are people listening right now who grew up in homes where lies were spoken over them. You know, maybe they had parents who said just horrible, you know, teachers, there, there could have been family members, you know, and even friends who, who spoke things over them that really warped their sense of self. Mm-hmm. And if that is you, if, if you have this unformed ability to affirm yourself, if you have this unformed ability to remember what is true and to believe it, then that matters to God. And, and that is not about self-focus. That, that is an actual wound that needs to be healed by Jesus. And so I want to be really, really clear about that. But the problem where, where things go awry is that is almost the only thing that, that we're talking about. And so when you're getting on Instagram, you're getting on social media, you're getting on you know TikTok, whatever it is, and the message is just you, 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 you know, and, it, and it's biblical messages. Like it's God loves you and he has a plan for you and he chose you and, and he loved you. These are all biblical messages. But if the 
vast, you know, majority of the messages you are consuming are, are human centered, then you will begin to believe a, a human centered gospel. And that human centered gospel is basically that, that Jesus came to earth and lived and died and was raised again for you to simply like yourself. And if that is what you ultimately end up living for is you, then that becomes its own form of brokenness. And so it's important for, for that self image to be healed, but to understand that that is not the destination of this whole thing. You know, that's just a consequence of the gospel, but it's not like the center of it. Yeah. Can you tease that out a little bit more and just kind of keep talking about how important it is to, to know who we are, to know like, mm-hmm. who God says we are, to believe that to be true mm-hmm. um, and to not stop there and how important that is for our, our spiritual mm-hmm. formation. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the simplest analogy I can think of is, is going back to that, that analogy that scripture uses in Hebrews of running this race, you know, and you can't run the race if you're injured. You know, like if you have a broken leg, your, your leg needs to heal. You can't run if, if, if you're wounded. And I think that first piece of, of healing your self image, healing that self, you know, your understanding of your identity is that broken leg piece. But then what ends up happening is we maybe get healed or, or healed enough. Cause we're never like the side of eternity, you know, we're never like fully healed. We're all, you know, <laughs> in process, um, I think what's almost happening is we're trying to run with like a mirror in front of our face or staring down, you know, at our feet or at our belly buttons. And this is something that I've really, I talk to my kids about a lot when they're riding their bikes is they, they'll ride and they'll, you know, look like, where are you mommy? And they'll turn around, you know, and as soon as they turn, their bike just goes like that. And so I've, I've started talking to them about how this is like a metaphor for, you know, faith as well, how, how there's all these verses that say like, don't look to the, you know, go to the left or the right, you know? Um, and I was like, that's true of faith and it's true of riding your bike. And it, you know, it's true of, of running, it's true of life that your focus has to be, you know, straight ahead. And if, if it's not, if it's especially, you know, on yourself, if you try, if you were to try running with like a mirror right in front of your face, you would just, you know, trip and fall. And I think that's ultimately what is happening to a lot of people. And so you need to, yes, you need to be healed in order to get into the race, but, but that cannot be, that is not your purpose and it is not your destination. Yeah. It's so good. I love that word picture or that picture of kids. Like my kids do the same thing. They come cruising by me. Yeah. Uh, they're on their bike on the sidewalk and they come cruising by me and they're staring at me and I'm like, no, no focus ahead. You're so terrifying. Like you see them like, <laughs> Like, look Look where you're going. Yeah, that's perfect, though. Like what in that in that same vein, what um, what happens when we tend to make scripture the gospel um, about me Um, when we tend to read scripture through that lens where it's kind of all about me? What are some indications that we're doing that, too, for those of us who may not even realize that that is what we have been doing when we come to scripture? Um, So what are some indications that point that out to us? Um, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of similar to my story where you're opening up scripture primarily to know what does the Bible say about me? And there's a time for that. There's definitely a time for that. But if that is primarily what you're asking, or if those are the voices that you are following, 
And so Instagram and TikTok, I'm coming for them. I mean, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, but like really be discerning about who you're following and what is the message that you are getting because it really, pay attention to, like I said, we will read all these messages about how like you are special, you know, you are, or we'll even post them, you know, we'll post messages like that. But if we're being really honest, it is not helping. Like it's this well we keep going to that is leaving us thirsty. Like it's, it's not quenching that thirst. And it's because you are not created to live for you. You're created to live for Christ. And as long as that is, you know, what we're, we're focusing on, it's not actually going to satisfy the depths of our soul. Mm-hmm. And as you say that, like, I'm remembering what you said in your book. Um, one, of the, one of the lines, I forget exactly how you said it, but you said it's a really appealing message that we like actually want to mm-hmm. hear and like we want to believe. Um, so can you, can you kind of tease that out a little bit more? Like, why is this something that we, we actually want to hear? Um, yeah. And have you found this to be true in your interactions with others? Yeah, I mean, I think we... I think we do want to hear the message because we have been hurt. You know, we have been taught lies about ourselves. You know, we, we need that, that correction very often, but it's, it's fascinating. That's how the whole self-esteem movement, you know, emerged was to address this very real, you know, insecurity in kids and then adults But the, and I have a whole chapter that's just laying out like the history of the self-esteem movement, which also just as a side note, that began with the boomers generation, you know, millennials are sort of, you know, the whipping post, you know, for all, (laughs) every other generation, but that actually began with, with boomers. That's where that term emerged was, was self-esteem. And now it's, there's been enough time where sociologists can look and see, okay, has this actually worked? Like when we have, you know, school curriculum that are emphasizing how special you are, and we have, you know, teachers saying this and parents saying this and, you know, dove campaigns for beauty that are telling us how beautiful we are, you know, in our own way, like, is it working? And the great, you know, scandal is no, it hasn't that that girls are just as insecure as they ever were, if if not more. Um, But the other thing that was really interesting is that it wasn't that kids were becoming more confident because of it, they were just becoming more narcissistic. And so I, I think it's it's just a slight difference where it's it's knowing, yes, this is a wound that needs to be healed, but this will not actually set you free. You know, affirmation is great, but it cannot save your soul. And knowing that is is really that's so, so important to, to make that distinction. And if you if you don't make that distinction, if you elevate affirmation to the level of salvation, it will fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's so profound. And I think it's, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking of Jesus statement, seek first his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. Um, when we're seeking, when we're seeking other stuff, when we're seeking, uh, self-affirmation and all those other things, we, we kind of miss it, right? We just miss what Jesus has for us and who we are created to be. Um, so from, I know we've been, we've been touching on it. You've 
essentially said it already, but like from a biblical perspective, um, Mm -hmm. how do you describe just like who we are, how we should think about ourselves in relation to God and who he is? Yeah. You know, I, I think there is this starting point of, of, if you do have that unformed ability to affirm yourself that, that Jesus sees and knows, and that's a big reason why he came, you know, that he came to earth so he could look people in the eyes and he could touch them and he could heal them. And so the gospel is very much relevant to that, but we're also, you know, pulled out of ourselves into this, this greater vision. And, that, that was one of the revelations for me was realizing as often, especially in the Old Testament, especially in the Psalms, you see again and again, you know, this praise and, and worship and these commands to meditate on God's word and to, you know, meditate on his law. And I always kind of assumed that that was all about just learning it. Or remembering it, you know, that it's like a good Christian thing to do, you know, to know the Bible. And this journey taught me that, yes, you know, that that is true on, on some level, but also that worship is our rescue, you know, that, that God's word is, is our rescue, that it's, it's that ladder out of that, that pit of smallness of, of self. And it's pulling us, you know, beyond ourselves into, you know, what we're really created for. And, you know, in those moments where we get stuck, you know, I'm, I'm a spiraler. Like if I'm, you know, really like someone hurts my feelings, I'll get stuck in thinking like, why didn't they invite me? You know, why was I left out? Why am I, I'm looking at this picture on Instagram where I see all these friends of mine, but like, I wasn't there, you know, why, why didn't this person pay attention to me? Whatever the question is, I, me, that's, you know, the center of the spiral. And if I would just stop that train of thought and think, okay, who is God? You know, why is he good? What is his character? And focus on that instead. It it really pulled me out of that, not as a distraction, but as doing what I was actually created to do, which is not to focus Mm -hmm. on myself, but to focus on God. So what does that, what does that look like when you, when you meditate on scripture, when you um, just focus your attention on God, is it, is it like, I don't know, what, what does it look like in practical yeah. terms for you? So for me, it was really this part of the book I, I read about and I felt really silly because it felt very, a little bit wooden and basic, you know, <laughs> but it really, this is what really helped me. So I would get stuck in these spiral trains of thoughts where I realized whenever I felt insecure, that's what it was, is I was thinking about myself. It was always the common denominator of my insecurities. I was thinking about myself and it didn't work to just say, don't think about myself. That never works. You know, your brain just automatically goes right back to it. And so my, my counselor had talked about, you know, these trains of thought and how you need to figure out how to stop the train. Like, how do you interrupt it? And so what I did is I, in my notes app on my phone, is I looked up every passage of scripture I could find that described like who God is. And then I wrote down just the descriptors in my notes app. I had like a list. And so what I would do when I was focused on myself is I would just read that list. I would just read it over and over and over again. And then once, you know, I felt better, I put it away. And then especially in the beginning, 
my mind would just go like straight back to me, 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 me. And so I'd pull it back out and I would like read through it again. But the more I did it, the more it, I didn't have to open it up anymore. Like I knew it by heart and it became easier and easier to do, to just rehearse, like, who is God? You know, he is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my strong tower. You know, he is, um, slow to anger. He is abounding in love, you know, just reading through all that. And it, it always doing that. It's, it sounds so simple and, you know, like, why would that work? But it's when you think on God, it's like Peter in the ocean, you know, you stop seeing the waves and you, you focus on your true source of security. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it, but to say that this saved me, it really did. It Mm -hmm. like that practice, it delivered me from my insecurity. It really did. Yeah. So I think, I think what you're getting at is, is what you describe in chapter 10 of your book, which I loved is just of worship um, yeah. and how worship, I think you tied it worship sets us or what is it? Loving God sets us free mm-hmm. and how, when yeah. we worship, we can find freedom in that. And um, yeah, our, throughout our whole series, we've been just focusing on Jesus. Uh, what Scott McKnight calls the Jesus creed and Jesus uh, when he's asked, what is the greatest commandment to love God and love your mm-hmm neighbor. So when we learn to love God more and how love is essentially a, a self-giving um, attribute in a sense, however we want to describe it. Um, and it's worship. It's this, this ascribing adoration to God and worshiping him. So how does, how does worship in the Christian, in the, in the Christian faith, how is worship so powerful in yeah. just helping us uh, move off of self-focus? I mean, it's what we were created to do uh, fundamentally, like it's what we'll be doing for eternity. And so I think whenever you're doing the thing that you're created to do, like deep down on a soul level, your soul recognizes it and kind of settles into it in a, in a, in a piece that you really can't find anywhere else. So I think that that, that is a big part of it. Um, I, I also just think that you know, the commands, I talk about this in the book, but the commands, Jesus says the two greatest commands are to love God and love your neighbor. And I think, again, we think, yeah, of course, these are good Christian things to do. Like, of course, we should love God. Of course, we should love our neighbor. And what I've been realizing, though, is that God gave us those commands because he loves us. And he understands there's all these things that are going to make your focus very small and very self, self-focused, self-word. And that is spiritual death. And these are the two keys to pull you out of that place of smallness and spiritual death is to love God and to love others. And so I, I just view that now so completely differently as, as God beckoning us away, you know, from the things that, that kill our souls, that, that like wither our souls. It's, it's his Mm -hmm. grace to us. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why, uh, like, I just loved your book so much. And this, this whole topic is that, um, when we, when we follow God's way of loving God, loving your neighbor and how we find, it seems so counterintuitive instead of just like being so inward focused, it seems so counterintuitive to go outward focused. Um, but it's what we were created for. Like you said, that's so well said. Thank you. Um, so one of your quotes that I really, 
that jumped out at me was the bend of redemption is always out is outward. Our struggle struggles drives us toward dependence on God and connection with others. One of the knocks that like a lot of uh, spiritual formation uh, conversation gets is it's just like inward focused. It's all about me, 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 me. Yeah. Um, and that's why I love that quote because it, it talks about how it's, it's inward focused for loving others and for outward yeah. work. So can you just talk yeah. about that for a second? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. It's not that it's not that we shouldn't love ourselves. I mean, God created us and he loves us and we should love what God loves. And so it, it's not to say that you shouldn't love yourself. It's not to say that self isn't bad. Um, it's not to say that you shouldn't know yourself. Like it's really important to, to know yourself so that you understand why, you know, why am I insecure? You know, like, why am I going to this for affirmation and to understand, well, this is coming from your childhood, you know, stuff, stuff like that is really helpful to understand. Uh, but you know, the, the point of spiritual, spiritual formation is not you, you know, the point is to, um, grow in conformity to Christ and, and intimacy with God. And so it's really, it, it's a very small, you know, shift in understanding for a lot of these things. It's just understanding, like, what is it for is, is the key question. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I don't have any more questions for you. Are there any other closing thoughts or anything that came to mind that you wanted to kind of tease out a little bit more that you feel like I just didn't get a chance to really, uh, to really dive into as well as I would have liked to, or anything else that you'd like to add? Um, not really. I mean, so you, you sent me some questions ahead of time. And, and one of the questions that was sort of, uh, you didn't, I don't think we got to exactly, but I thought was really important is at the beginning of the book, I talk about this idea called like the mirror reflex and how we treat everything in our lives, like a mirror reflecting back on us. And so we're looking at our friends, we're looking at our family, we're looking at our job, we're looking at our possessions and asking, what does this say about me? And we do that with scripture. We do that with God and how, damaging it is when we treat everything in our lives as being about us that is not about us there's all sorts of fallout and that's that's what the book like really explores but the thing that i say i think it's in the introduction is addressing the the, the subtitle of the book is why life is better when it's not about you and i want to say you know that phrase it's not about you it can sound very scolding and harsh and that's not at all how I mean it. Like, I want to say that that parent who left, you know, that was not about you. That, you know, friend who betrayed you, that that was not about you. You know, your, your spouse who, you know, hurt you, that that was not about you. And that there is a lot of freedom when we realize a lot of the things we think about us are about us are actually not us at all, uh, not about us at all. And so that, I guess that's sort of like my benediction for, for everyone is to receive the good news <laughs> that it's not about you. There's, there's actually a tremendous amount of, of hope and encouragement in those words. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sharon. Oh, it's been great.